short time this morning to look back at Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and to uh, uh, unpack that a little bit for us. It can only be a skimming through uh, this uh, chapter. There's a lot in this chapter, uh, but I just want to give an overall picture of uh, the chapter and what's in the chapter. Jesus, uh, we've come to recognize in our own lives and also through Scripture, Jesus is King of Kings. Looking at Mark 4 on page 1005. Jesus is King of Kings, but we've seen so far, if, if you've been here for the last number of weeks when we've looked at the first three chapters, we see what Mark's trying to do. He's trying to tell us that Jesus will not conform to the kind of Jesus sometimes we think he is. And he's giving us a picture of the real Jesus, and sometimes that's different from what we would expect Jesus to be like. And here in this chapter, he, what he's reminding us about Jesus is saying, Jesus is the one who speaks and who commands us to listen. Whoa. No one tells me what to do. No one tells me to do anything. But yet here Jesus is saying, uh, I, I'm going to speak, and, and I want you to listen. I command you to listen. Uh, and that comes across throughout this, this chapter quite a lot. Uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He starts the parable of the sword saying, listen. Then later on he says, hear again. Uh, consider carefully what you hear. Listen to what you hear. So he's telling them, all the people that he's speaking to, the importance of listening. And uh, there's two responses in the chapter to Jesus when he speaks, and it may be similar to the responses we have. The crowd who listen to Jesus when he gives the parables and he tells the stories, they just go home. Oh, it was a really nice path. Love the stories that guy was telling, but it was time for my tea, so I'm going home. So they all went home. And then there was the disciples who were following Jesus, who trusted in Jesus, and they went back to Jesus and said, well, are you going to explain what they mean? Well, we don't understand them. They're just stories to us. But please explain them. And so Jesus went on to explain his parables to them. And we need to think about the kind of responses we have to Jesus and to his word, to the Bible. Uh, are we a bit more like the crowd? So, oh, well, that was very nice. I read a little passage there. Or I heard a sermon. I went home from a tea. Or are we saying, well, I, I don't understand that. I need to know more. Um, uh, what is Jesus saying? What is he saying to me in my life? And will I need to go and, and speak to him and pray to him and ask him for his guidance and wisdom? So we have this, this chapter which uh, tells us lots of things and, and Jesus is speaking in lots of different ways. I just want to pick up two things from this chapter for ourselves today. Uh, the first is that there's mystery about Jesus and about the gospel. Uh, that might be a strange thing to say. Chapter 4 and verse 11, when Jesus is explaining the parable, he's saying the secret of the kingdom of God or the mystery, could, could be translated mystery of the kingdom of God, has been given to you. So he's saying that the gospel and me, not me, but Jesus, is saying, I'm not necessarily what you expect. And sometimes you're going to, uh, not sometimes, but all the time you're going to need me to help to explain what the gospel's all about. And, and we don't like that, it, the fact that there's mystery in the gospel. We like everything to be really easy. And you know, as a preacher, I really like things to be easy. I want everybody to understand everything that I say about the Bible or, or as we try and teach and unpack the Bible. We like things to be A, B, and C, clear cut to be manageable, um, to be reasonable. And that we really want to be in control of Jesus. And if we're in control of something, we need to understand it, don't we? 
I've just got a new iPhone. It's not bad. It's taken me a month to mention that. After years in the wilderness, years in the, the communicative wilderness, I've gone right up, bang up today. I've passed all these in-between stages and I've gone straight to an iPhone, right to the top. But I, have, I haven't a clue how to use it. I'd be as well with a brick. And so, you know, um, it's impossible to control something that you don't understand in any way. And sometimes we like Jesus to be like that. We want to understand everything about him so we can control how we deal with him and how we think about him and how we interact with him in our lives. But Jesus is saying in this passage and in many other places in the Bible, it's not just exactly as we think it is sometimes. And there's mystery in the gospel. Sometimes even as Christians we think, well, I want the gospel to be a certain way. I want, I want Jesus as a king for everybody to see. I want Christianity to be popular. I want a church to be full. I want everyone to believe easily. I want it to be well known and loved in the media. I want it to be attractive and, and simple. And that's the kind of gospel we want. But Jesus says it's not always like that. And it can't always be like that. And it can't always be flash and dramatic and uh, uh, like, you know, hitting the screens so that everyone sees and everyone knows because that's not how he works. And he gives us parables in this chapter that explain a little bit about that. And he says uh, the kingdom, because he's talking about the kingdom of God, that is uh, those who belong to God, those who are part of the kingdom of God, those who are Christians, and the kingdom of God of whom he is the king. He says it comes quietly. That's what this, these parables are about. He gives them probably the best-known parable, if we're Christians, uh, if we're brought up in the church, we know the parable of the sower really well. It's one of the most famous parables. And he says, uh, he told them many things uh, about the kingdom. And then we're told that he's explaining what the kingdom of God is like. And then he goes on later when he talks about the parable of the growing seed. The kingdom of God is like this. Verse 30, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? comes quietly and isn't that already been the it's like the sowing of seed how boring and how undramatic can you imagine the headlines at 6 o'clock news man goes out sows some seed oh well bye that's interesting you know I see a guy going past putting seed in the ground not very interesting not very dramatic very everyday and that's what we're already seeing about Jesus is that he's a different kind of messiah in in these chapters he tells the guys who are healed, says, shh, don't tell anyone. He's got a, he comes quietly on the scene, just in among the crowd. He's baptized with the other people. It's not the kind of king of kings that we're expecting, that we're looking for. And now he tells us that the kingdom comes quietly. It's every day, sowing seed. That's how God works. Sowing seed, it doesn't turn heads, does it? It's kind of dull. It's unexciting. It's It's unremarkable. And very often our work as Christians, our lives as Christians, our sharing of the gospel as Christians is very unremarkable and dull and ordinary. It's just about living every day as a Christian. Like the girls in Deridun or ourselves here, that we're just living out what it means to be a Christian in very unremarkable, ordinary situations. We don't hit the headlines. It's not hugely dramatic. People aren't getting miraculously healed all over the place. It's just very ordinary as we share Jesus Christ. It's like we're living our Christian lives at one level under the radar because God's ways are are different. It's not all about drama and it's not all about uh, dramatic uh, 
media-centered events that will turn people's hearts upside down. It's very everyday. But it does involve unseen miracles, doesn't it? When Jesus Christ works in our lives, there are miracles, and often they're unseen miracles. It's just like the seed. You know, the seed goes into the ground. It's very dull. It just goes into the ground. But there's something happening, isn't there? It's germinating. It kind of dies, and then it germinates, and it begins to grow a little bit, and eventually it breaks the surface, and then it grows more, and then there's fruit, and it's fantastic. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a gardener in any sense, really, whatsoever. The only two things I've ever grown in my life are potatoes and raspberries. And you can see, you know, you could sometimes you get a photo of your garden in the winter where the raspberries were, and it's just kind of really empty, and there's just wee thin, spindly bits of wood sticking up and tied to a, a wire. But then you get a, a summer picture when the fruit is there and it's masses of green and you can't see any of the wee tiny wee sticks and there's lumps of, technical term, lumps of raspberries there and uh, it's all fruit. And it's the same with potatoes, isn't it? Take a winter photograph, it's just the bare ground. And then it, when it's time to, to harvest the potatoes, there's just this, all these shaws are there green beautiful and you dig it up and there's a lovely white potatoes in the ground all from nothing and so miracles have happened miracles of nature have happened when the seed is sown and that also is a picture these seed sowing pictures that are given in this chapter that's a picture also of what's happening in our hearts is that unseen miracles are happening amazing things are happening Jesus is transforming our hearts softening our hearts changing our hearts making them more like himself as we believe and uh, as we trust in him. We're being transformed. It's phenomenal. We do bear fruit. Miracles are happening, but it's unseen. It's slightly different. And the whole way of Jesus is very different, isn't it? The kingdom is a different way. Who would have thought that this king of kings reigns by a path of rejection? crucifixion people dying to sin and being transformed from their hearts out so the kingdom that Jesus talks about it's a mystery it doesn't, it doesn't come the way we think the gospel doesn't grow the way we think churches don't grow the way we would want necessarily or think it's not a marketing ploy that we can engage we can't sell the gospel like we would sell fresh orange juice it's not like that Jesus is saying there's mystery my way's different and he also says it takes time, doesn't he? Isn't that in the picture of the seed and the sower and in the different pictures of the seed and the sower uh, in this chapter in verse 26 as well where he talks about the seed, you know, the farmer puts the seed in and uh, he just goes to bed and then he gets up and goes to bed and gets up night and day. Eventually the harvest comes and it takes time. And in our relationship with Jesus as Christians, aren't we often looking all the time as kingdom, members of his kingdom, aren't we always looking for instant results? I prayed yesterday, and I want the answer today. And if he doesn't answer today, well, he's not hearing my prayers, he's not listening. And we demand an instant answer, instant holiness, multiple conversions. But I've shared the gospel with my friend. Why doesn't anyone, why don't they believe today? And we're, we're always looking for uh, this instant and dramatic result as Christians. And yet Jesus says, look, it's my work. I'm doing the work. 
You're involved in sowing the seed. But I, I'm changing people's hearts. Sometimes that takes time. You sow the seed. You, put, you tell people about Jesus. You share Jesus in your life. But leave the rest to me. Leave the growing to me. And that's hugely significant. And it's hugely significant in the life of faith that we recognize that faith is something that takes time. We want all, all that. We want it to be easy. We want it to be easy to be a Christian from day one. We want to understand everything from day one. And he says, look, it, it takes patience. It takes perseverance. It takes perspective. People say, well, what are you doing in St. Columbus? What's happening with the church plant in Brunswick? What's that all about? Why are you doing these things? I say, well, I don't know. I don't know what God has got planned. I don't have an a, a to Z strategy. It's going to take time. God may bless it. God may not. But we're sowing the seed. We're going out and planting churches. We're going out and, and trying to spread the gospel. It's going to take time. And that's so countercultural for us, isn't it? Where everything's instant. Where everything is for today. And Jesus says, look, there will be a harvest. My work will be done. You will change. But it might not be my way. It might not be the way that I ex uh, you expect me to work. The kingdom will come. And within that mystery, I think there's also the truth that belief uh, isn't easy. Believing in Jesus isn't easy. Now we would love it to be, wouldn't it? We'd love this place to be filled with people and the first thing I would want to say to them is, oh, please come back because believing in Jesus is really easy. It's great. That would be what the marketing director would say, wouldn't he? Come on back. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic being a Christian. And to believe is easy. But Jesus says, belief is right and belief is good, but belief isn't easy. And he speaks about the offense of the word, doesn't he? In this great famous parable of the sower, where he says that the word gets sown, it goes thrown out, and there's different reactions to the word. People react and respond differently. And the word of God convicts us in our hearts. Sometimes we, we react positively, but then when trouble comes, we just give it up. What's the point? Or we like it for a little while, and we like the company, but then the pursuit of wealth, as, as Jesus says in this chapter when he talks about the parable, or, or our desire for other things, or the, the worries of life, they just take over. Sometimes we don't listen at all. Sometimes we're angry at Jesus. That's a piece of nonsense. We don't like when God says, Look, my ways are not your ways. We say, but I want them to be my ways. I want to control you, Jesus. I want to, to be in that position where you're small and manageable and I can stick you in my back pocket. And he says, no, I'm the God of the universe. And believing isn't easy and there's opposition to our beliefs, isn't there, that is spoken of in this parable of the sower in the early verses of chapter 4. And even the parables themselves. How often have we stood up and said, Jesus spoke in parables, in stories, because he wanted to make things easy. Well, that's true and not true. Because the parables were not simple for people who didn't hear the explanations. Because the parables, in some ways, concealed the truth of what Jesus was coming to do. And that was Jesus' choice. That's what is spoken about. In verse 11, but those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And that difficult verse from Isaiah, which says that, that people wouldn't believe because things were told in parables. They wouldn't bother to find out. Now, this quote that's taken from, 
from Isaiah was, was when Isaiah went out with the gospel, the good news, telling the people to turn back to God, and they had rebelled against him as God's own people for so long that by the time Isaiah was there, they just, they really didn't want to hear what he had to say. And it could almost be translated so that they may not uh, see but may not perceive, hear but may not understand because the last thing they want to do is turn and be forgiven. So Jesus told parables and a lot of people in the crowds, they said, well, it was a nice story. I liked that story about the farmer. They went home for their tea. They didn't bother to... Well, what is Jesus saying? He's doing... Did the crowds go because they wanted to learn about becoming believers? Or did they like the miracles? Did they hope that he would turn bread and uh, uh, water into wine or that he would uh, make bread enough for a whole crowd of 5,000 of what he would do to raise someone from the dead? Is that what they were looking for? Well, when he told stories, they just went home. The crowd went home. And Jesus is saying, even as he tells this parable of the sower, he's saying, that's what happens when the word is preached. That's what happens when we read the Bible, when we hear about Jesus. We know there's a spiritual enemy, Satan, who takes the seed sometimes away immediately. People say, no, that's rubbish. And they just reject it. How sad that is for us to uh, appreciate. And then we know that uh, some listen, but then fade away. Not everyone believes. There's opposition within our own heart to the gospel. There's opposition from outside in society. There's opposition spiritually from the evil one. Not everyone believes. That's hard, isn't it? That's a difficult truth. But with Jesus is telling us is that there will be a harvest and that we do have to recognize the opposition sometimes that is in our own hearts to believing and examine our own hearts and think about the way we listen. How are you listening today to the gospel? Because it's, it's not really about me today. I have my own responsibility before God to listen when I'm preparing this word for me. I have to listen to what God's saying. But you also have a responsibility. How are you listening? How do you respond to Jesus? What kind of soil, if you're using that picture, that parable, what kind of soil is the Word of God going into today in your heart? Are you pleased with the message? Do you recognize who Jesus is? And do you uh, believe and follow Him? When you don't understand, are you going to ask Him to explain the gospel to you more through prayer and through uh, reading the Bible even further? Or do you find there's other things that you desire more. There's other things that are more important that take away the gospel from your heart. Or when difficulties come, have you decided, well, Jesus can't really love me because difficulties have come. And he says, that's not, that's not the reality. That's not true. How are we listening to the word of God? How do you listen? And how do we listen when the seed is sown? So there's this great challenge in the chapter, and I've only very briefly been able to skim that, that there's mystery about Jesus that we don't control him, that he is the king of kings, that he has his gospel, he knows the kind of responses that are, and he knows that we need, to we need to go to him and ask him to prepare our hearts so that we will listen in the right way, so that our hearts are good soil. So that church, and I'm going to say this because I'm always saying it, and you're fed up with me saying that church is not something passive that you just come and to be entertained or not, 
as the case may be. But it's active in that you have to have a prepared heart as I have to. We have to be coming receptive and ready and listening for what God is saying and what he, his challenges in our lives. Because as, as the verse says, he knows our hearts, you know. He knows every single one of us today as we've come in. And uh, he's challenging us to consider him as Lord and God and consider him as the King of Kings who becomes the King of Kings by dying on a cross for our sins. Isn't that amazing? Whoever would have thought a random homeless Jew 2,000 years ago dying on a Roman cross was to be the saviour of the world. Is that the kind of king of kings we'd expect him? As God who went to the cross and nailed to the cross and rose again on the third day to prove his victory over sin and death in the grave. That's the kind of saviour. It's not a populist saviour. It's not one we'll hear about in the nightclubs. It's not one that's really popular with the media. It's not one that people might like to hear about because it does require that recognition of our own need and of our own sin and of our own lostness. So that's one. And just very briefly, there's a mystery about Jesus that comes across in this passage. And I hope that we'll be able to maybe talk a bit more detail about these things in the city groups this week. I haven't had much time today. But the other thing that, one of the other things that comes out here is that we're slow and fearful learners from Jesus. And that's a great encouragement in many ways. Look at the disciples. See at the end of the chapter, there's that great uh, story of Jesus coming in the storm. And Jesus said, uh, the disciples say to him, uh, you know, uh, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Why do you have little faith? They were terrified, even the winds and the waves would be him. They were slow and fearful learners. They had great privileges, you know, even in this chapter. Jesus was explaining to them the mystery of the gospel. He explained them what the parables meant and was teaching them uh, that this mystery, this communication of truth by Jesus revealing it was something that they were sharing. They'd seen his miracles. They'd heard his teaching. They were with him. But the minute they got into the boat and the minute there was a storm in the boat, they were full of doubt and they were full of fear. And they, they said, Jesus, you really don't care for me. You don't care for us, do you? But you know, the great thing about this picture is it's a picture of ourselves as well and a picture of how Jesus deals with us. Jesus loved them. He cared for them. He stayed with them despite their failings, despite their denials, despite the fact that they turned their backs on him and ran away from him. Uh, he, he cared for them and he loved them and he stuck with them right through to beyond the cross and the resurrection and he met up with them again after the resurrection and he said, you're going to be the ones that will turn this world upside down with the gospel and that is brilliant isn't it we're afraid we're fearful we're struggling we're full of doubt and we struggle to stay as Christians and it's a battle for us and we're like the disciples we throw the question at Jesus you don't really care about us do you things are miserable why you don't care and Jesus sticks with us Jesus is always there. And we will be used by Jesus to bear his harvest. And the response of us is to be the response of the disciples. Disciples were the ones who in this chapter, at the end of the parable of the sower, they came to Jesus and asked him to explain the parable. That's the response Jesus wants from us. I know we're full of doubt. I know we're full of fear and questions, 
but he wants us to respond in the same way. Genius it is. Genius. I can have a great weight on my shoulder for every one of you as, as sheep for which I'm an under-shepherd, as the, one that I, the ones that I pastor. And I can, be, I can cry tears for you when things go badly. And I can weep that I, I'm unable to change your heart because I'm aware that I'm unable to change my own. But the genius of the gospel is that I can commit you to Jesus and ask you to come to Jesus in the same way that I must come to Jesus. And we pray for that understanding to be disciples who rely on and who uh, go to Jesus Christ to understand and to learn and to know. And that's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that we must work at. If our, if our hearts are to be good soil, that will receive the word of God and receive the person of Jesus and bear fruit for Jesus Christ, then in an ongoing way, we've got a responsibility um, to deal with the things that separate us from Jesus that's spoken about in this parable. The deceitfulness of riches, uh, the desires, the idols that we put in our hearts. Uh, spiritually to be protected from Satan who keeps us from believing and recognize all these things and have our passion for Jesus Christ in our hearts. Then there's a harvest guaranteed. So to people who come to Jesus, we listen to him. This whole chapter is about listening to Jesus. Come to Jesus and listen and come to Jesus and learn. Learn from what he says about your own heart here. Learn about what, how you respond. Learn about what he says about the kingdom. Learn what he says about the harvest. Learn what he says about trouble and about persecution and opposition and uh, spiritual opposition and desires of our hearts. Learn what he says about fear and learn what he says about doubt and allow him to change your hearts. So is it going to be that we're going to be part of the crowd or are we going to be like his disciples? You choose. You choose today what it's going to be. It's going to be part of the crowd who walk out going for my tea. It's going to be part of the disciples who come back to Jesus and say, what do you mean? What do you want of me? How can I follow you? By your great grace. And we thank you it's all by his grace. And uh, that the gift that he gives us is absolutely full and free for what uh, he has done on the cross for us. Amen.